0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it is the easiest and the hardest question of all, why and why now? Understanding the politics driving Russia's invasion of Ukraine. As thousands of people flee that war-torn nation, Airbnb is stepping up to connect those war refugees with hosts offering a place to stay as an extension of the same program that provides temporary housing during natural disasters. Also this morning, why are there a group of Hungarians playing Indians and appropriating Native American culture in Central Europe? Wait, what? And we have another collection of tasty and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 4th, 2022. In case you need a reason to celebrate, uh, on this Friday, heading into the weekend, it is Courageous Follower Day. It is Hug a GI Day, Marching Music Day. It is the National Dance the Waltz Day today, National Grammar Day, National Pound Cake Day, National Snack Day, Toy Soldier Day, and National Sons Day. So. A happy National Sons Day to my sons. Three reasons to celebrate as we uh, get your Friday morning started. It has really been remarkable how, over the past week, Russia has become such a pariah in the international community. So many nations have joined together on uh, tough sanctions against Russia. They. Not only the United States, but other countries going after those Russian oligarchs and their money uh, the ones that are very close to Putin hold um, a great deal of influence over Vladimir putin and so they're uh they've all got big targets on their backs now uh obviously it has gone beyond the political and economic realm uh into uh, the world of of uh, pop culture. We were talking yesterday about how uh, Russian, well, Russian athletes have been uh, banned. Uh, EA Sports, the video game maker, has taken all of the, the Russian athletes and teams out of their sports video games, which, you know, in the larger sense, uh, is probably not going to hurt them economically, obviously, but psychologically and socially, uh, they are uh, becoming more and more isolated. Russian media has been blocked, and now... Even the International Cat Federation has banned Russian cats from international competitions. The Federation decreed that no cats bred in Russia can be imported or registered in any Federation pedigree book. And no cat belonging to exhibitors living in Russia may be entered at any Federation show outside of that country. So... A huge decree there from the International Cat Federation. Now it's getting serious. Vladimir Putin. (laughs) International Cat Federation joining in the uh, effort to make Russia a pariah on the world stage. Some of the uh, first things you need to know this morning right out of the gate. uh, The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Uh, I don't know about where you work. I know for our company, uh, they did this uh, a couple of years ago, and more and more companies uh, are doing that, uh, doing this, shifting the calendar for vacation days for employees. You know, it used to be uh, standard that you had so many vacation days or uh, they call them PTO days, paid time off days now uh, in many companies, but it used to be the calendar would run from January 1st to December 31st, and you had so many days to use within the calendar year, or you would lose them. Sometimes they allow you to carry a few over, but for the most part, it was use it or lose it during the calendar year. And what happened, uh, uh, companies found, was that uh, there were so many employees that were rushing to use up all of their unused time off. Uh, right around the holiday season, before the calendar turned over to the new year, and and uh, and they lost it. Uh, what they have done is shifted the vacation calendar uh, to February or March. I think in our company it's uh, it's the end of March, so it runs from April 1st through March 31st, just so the people who are scrambling to use up the last of their vacation days aren't doing so right before the hectic uh holiday season and uh, just makes it crazy with everything else going on and uh, so as such the reason i bring this up you may be uh, running into that situation here this month in your company and figuring out how to use that last handful of vacation days can be kind of tricky jessica de bloom is a research at uh, researcher at the academy of finland and she has been studying vacations. Uh, She found no notable difference in health and welfare in those who went away for four and a half days versus those who went away for nine days. So if you're thinking, I only have a a handful of days, uh, is it really worth it? The answer is yes, you can get as much uh, in terms of uh, refresh and recharge Uh, mindset out of a smaller vacation versus a longer vacation. She has done further research that suggests that three to six days is actually the ideal vacation length. Uh, Longer vacations are more likely to facilitate uh, mastery experience, but shorter vacations are more likely to result in detachment and relaxation. Uh, Rod Cuthbert, the founder of Viator Incorporated, offers his take saying you can daydream about two days in Mexico City just as much as you can daydream about five days at a resort. It says, think about your travel plan in terms of how much of my 72 hours, whatever or whatever that number is, will be used up in airports or hotel lobbies or waiting for uh, an Airbnb host or something like that. If it's more than 10%, rethink your plan. The take-home message in all of this, If you can afford the cost of travel, which is not cheap with inflation these days and energy prices and so on, the benefit of taking a vacation, even a short one, is scientifically proven to be there. So something to keep in mind uh, if you are coming up on that use it or lose it date for your paid time off. By the way, if you are flying to your vacation destination, if you're traveling soon, flying You want to make sure that you stay hydrated. Uh, Physiotherapist Yasmin Badiani says dehydration is actually a major issue when it comes to traveling by air. The problem arises due to spending long periods of time in a climate controlled environment where the relative humidity can be as low as 10 to 15 percent. Did you realize that on a plane? Humidity is... uh, about three times drier than the Sahara Desert, even. So it's very dry, and that means on a 10-hour flight, you, uh, men can lose around two liters of body water. Uh, women can lose around 1.6 liters. Uh, you lose most of that through just regular respiration. And drinking alcohol, by the way, can make the problem worse. To combat this, the Aerospace Medical Association... Says passengers should aim to drink roughly eight ounces of water for every hour spent in the air. So something to think about the next time you are on a plane. Speaking of on planes, you hear this uh, story earlier in the week. Authorities had to remove a drunken pilot, <laughs> a drunken pilot from the cockpit of a JetBlue aircraft earlier this week. Uh, officials got a tip that 52-year-old James Clifton might be impaired. He went, As he went through screening at the airport in Buffalo, New York, on Wednesday, somebody spotted him acting oddly and alerted. They say, if you see something, say something. And that even includes pilots and airline personnel. Somebody saw something and said something. And authorities uh, gave him a blood alcohol test. And it came back at 0.17, which is like three times, three or four times the legal limit for pilots, commercial pilots. Uh, He was released to JetBlue security after uh, being escorted from the plane. (laughs) He was on board in the cockpit, ready to go. And they said, nope, Uh, no word on uh, whether he will face federal charges, but uh, he Uh, has been relieved of his duties, according to the airline. Wow, man, that is scary. Uh, Let's see. A couple of other uh, things here, among the first things that you need to know this morning. Speaking of drinking, when was the last time you had a drink? Researchers from The Ohio State University have found that among adults... Where people live and where they spend their time impacts how much alcohol they consume. (laughs) This is the research. They found that adults living in neighborhoods with higher bar and restaurant densities drank more, uh, drank on more days, and drank more alcohol over the past year than those living in areas with fewer such establishments. So this is this grand research. The more bars and restaurants you have near where you live, the more you are likely to drink. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is research from the file of duh. Seriously, that's I mean, we needed research for this. Um, now, they did say I thought this was kind of interesting. Those who visited destination locations, again, those who traveled to places with higher densities of bars and restaurants did not necessarily drink more frequently than those who traveled to areas that did not. But I, I think most vacation destinations do, by their very nature, have a lot uh, higher densities of bars and, and restaurants. But uh, anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. The co-author of the study, Bridget Friestler, Freest, uh, says the issue is not that we may have an occasional beer or glass of wine at a restaurant but uh, that studies show that people drink more when there are more places that serve alcohol nearby. (laughs) Okay, then. No kidding. And uh, also, I thought I would uh, uh, point this out. I think this is uh, worthwhile to uh, mention. Uh, Kind of some sad news. The University of Alabama has announced the passing of its first black student, Dr. Authorine Lucy Foster, I think is how I pronounce her name. Uh, her family confirmed that she passed away at the age of 92 back in 1956. Mobs of threats forced Ms. Foster to leave the university, but she was invited back in 1988. She was enrolled as the first black student at the University of Alabama, uh, forced out by racists of the time but then invited back in 1988, and the school also recently named a building in her honor. She happened to visit Tuscaloosa just last week to cut the ribbon on the new building where she once had to hide from a racist mob that was coming after her. Wow. Uh, Ms. Foster told those at the ribbon cutting, for you to bring me out today, the Lord must be on our side. Authorine Lucy Hall houses the College of Education at the University of Alabama. And there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories, the first things you know need to know to get your Friday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchak. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny skies today with a high of 45, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 32. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is asking people to make sure their vehicles are locked and their keys and fobs are secured at all times. The Sheriff's Office says there's been an increase in motor vehicle thefts in Hancock County in recent months. And in many of those cases, the keys of the vehicle that were stolen were easily accessible because they were either in the ignition or visible on the console of the unlocked vehicle. Additionally, the Sheriff's Office reminds people to never leave a running vehicle unattended. Ohio's governor says the Buckeye State will no longer be doing business with Russia.
2: Governor Mike DeWine says Ohio will no longer support Russian businesses. Yesterday, he released a statement saying in part, as Russian aggression continues to intensify against the people of Ukraine, he assures Ohioans that our state has no contracts with Russian businesses and that he will not support Russia with Ohio taxpayer dollars. Governor DeWine also said Ohio will continue to stand with the people of Ukraine.
1: ONN's Angela Ann reporting. And the Ukrainian flag has been flying outside the Ohio Statehouse and at the governor's residence. The Hancock Youth Leadership Program is accepting applications. Aaron Schwiebert is on the advisory board and says students meet once a month for different session days, which include things like Agriculture Day and Justice and Law Day.
2: So they'll get
3: to tour some local family farms or tour the local jailhouse or even sit in on some courthouse sessions lots of different opportunities for students to get involved and
2: to become leaders in their community.
1: Hancock Youth Leadership is open to Hancock County and Finley City School students beginning their junior year this fall. You can find more details on the program and an application form on the website. After being affected by COVID the past two years, the annual Arnold Sports Festival has returned to Central Ohio in its traditional format. This year's edition of the Arnold runs through this weekend at the Greater Columbus Convention Center. Founded in 1989 by actor Arnold Schwarzenegger, the event is considered second only to Mr. Olympia as the world's top professional bodybuilding competition. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
0: Well, it is at once both the easiest and the hardest question of all with respect to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Why and why now? Dr. Teresa Schrader-Hageman is an adjunct instructor of political science at Ohio Northern University in Ada and an Air Force veteran herself who has studied extensively international relations, NATO, and the thought processes behind the initiation of war in general. So, Dr. Hageman, let's start with that simple and yet so complex question, why?
3: That is a very complex question. Um, The why Can only be fully understood by Putin himself, but he has an old school mentality of um, the Soviet Empire, and he's trying to re envision or recreate that empire. And if we look at the former Soviet Union state, Ukraine is one of the few that's not a member of NATO, right? um, Which is a a very hot topic. Um, So it's the only one of the few that he could take over. Without acting Article 5 of NATO, which would bring in all NATO uh, members, including the United States, Germany. So that's part of the why. It's his strongman mentality, trying to reexert himself mm-hmm. as a world power.
0: Does that lend credence to the theory that he's just kind of lost touch with uh, reality and that he's just gone mad?
3: Um, I wouldn't say he's gone mad. We assume the rational actor model, meaning that uh, political leaders want to stay in power. Um, and they won't take any action that the benefit isn't higher than the cost. And if you look at um, the international community and international relations, broadly speaking, I think about the question of why now? Part of right. it has to do is we start to see this movement of Ukraine moving away from Russian influence starting in about 2004 with the Orange Revolution uh, when Ukraine was able to install a president that was not pro-Russia. Um, and then in 2014, we saw a a further movement of Ukraine away from Russia when their president, uh, of Ukraine didn't sign to become a member of the European Union. And we saw massive protests, um, in Kyiv and violence happening. Um, and ultimately the pro-Western side of Ukraine won. And then we saw Ukraine, or sorry, we saw Russia invade Ukraine. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of where this has really evolved from. Um, and so then, if you're looking strategically, if you're in in Putin looking at the international community, there's a couple of things that have happened this past year that might give him the sense that um he could win, right? So when we think about why countries go to war, one of the things we think about international relations is um hidden private information. Right So military strength resolve, et cetera. Will the other international communities come get involved? Mm-hmm. So looking at two key countries that could um, thwart Russia, United States and Germany. both have had um, a change in leadership. So we had President Biden um, come into power last January. Subsequently, we saw the u s. leave Afghanistan and the aftermath of that and the public sentiment about that. So there's mm-hmm. this idea that the American people are war-weary. Right. So that's part of calculus improvement. The other is Germany has a new leader, too. So it's a little bit more of a, a likelihood that the international community wouldn't... Can- push back against Russia.
0: And uh, on the question of a war-weary United States, he's not necessarily wrong about that. I mean, uh, it it took us more than a decade to get out of Afghanistan and look at that messy exit, and Russia is not Afghanistan.
3: Right. So this is different than Afghanistan. A long war of occupation. Um, We weren't really making any inroads versus Uh, aggression right Mm -hmm. so we had one country invade another
0: yeah this would be more of a conventional uh, war as opposed to what we saw in afghanistan understood yes Uh, but what what about the u.n component as well i mean it is russia's turn Mm -hmm. to chair the u.n security council this year which kind of renders that organization pretty much feckless when it comes to mounting any type of coordinated response
3: Well, yes, and that would be the way, no matter what, because of the way the Security Council operates Um, and the fact that the U.N. Security Council, there are five permanent members, which can be to anything, including Russia. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing with the U.N. Security Council that just happened, though, is that China, who is also a permanent member, didn't vote either way. They did not vote in support of Russia, but they did not vote against. They abstained. Right. And I think for Russia, that further isolates putin a bad sign yes it's very much a bad signal
0: we've all been impressed and inspired by the resistance that has been put up by the ukrainian people uh in the face of this aggression to this point but again this is still russia and you kind of get the feeling that it is only a matter of time how long can ukraine hold out
3: we do know from other looking at um, more civil war type things where because in civil wars we always pretty much, have a strong government military and a weaker rebel force. And civil wars, we know, can last a long time when they get external arms, when they have external aid that kind of bolster them up. So we kind of look at it in a civil war perspective, even though I know it's interstate between different countries. Ukraine could last a long time because they're getting a lot of arms, um, from the united states from nato from european countries in terms of actual military might mm-hmm. um, and i've heard there's actually calls from the ukrainian government for basically mercenaries um, for u.s veterans or veterans from mm. europe who have military experience to come in so if we see foreign fighters going to ukraine this could last a long time yeah. the resolve of the ukrainian people is Amazing. Yeah. So, how long can they last is who knows? Well, and, and a long time.
0: And just kind of uh, as a sidebar on all of this, when we talk about the Ukrainian people fighting to save their country, most of the reporting has been about the men staying behind to fight and sending their wives and children away. But there are also stories, and I know this is another area of particular interest uh, to you and your field of study, there there are stories of women who are joining in this fight, Ukrainian women who are staying behind and joining in this fight as well.
3: Yes, in general, we often talk about men uh, as the warriors and women as those who need protected, but... Historically, we see women joining. We think about the World War II, um, the French women joining the resistance. Um, women, act, you know, voluntarily decide to join the U.S. military and others. You know, and there's actually been commentary in the news about Ukrainian mothers. Right, they're they're the real heroes. We think about them protecting their child. How is the best way to protect your co- child is to keep the country free to keep it um, for the future of your children. So. Mm-hmm um I, it's really unsurprising to see the women deciding to join to fight for their home too that women are just as patriotic um and as as um fierce in some ways more fierce um than the men interestingly thinking historically during world war II, russian women cat the women pilots of russia were tasked with the most dangerous jobs of flying and gliders at night mm. um to bombard europe and to fight against the Germans. So interesting, the Russian women were the most feared uh, hmm. compared to their male counterparts.
0: Fascinating stuff. Uh, and we just hope that uh, there is a swift resolution uh, of this in favor of the Ukrainian people because no one wants to see Ukraine fall. Also, no one wants to see uh, the U.S. and other nations get any further involved, which uh, a lot of people fear could trigger another world war.
3: Yes. Yes, yeah, I agree
0: with that. Again, Doctor Teresa Schrader Hagerman, an adjunct instructor of political science at Ohio Northern University, herself an Air Force veteran, uh, with some perspective on this conflict uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Doctor Hagerman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you.
0: So, as we all know, we've heard the Russian invasion of Ukraine has displaced. Thousands upon thousands of people, many of whom uh, are are fleeing to other nearby countries, uh, Poland, and so on. Some are are fanning out uh, elsewhere around the world. And you might have heard about this. The popular home-sharing company Airbnb is stepping up to help through their Open Homes initiative, Of its nonprofit arm, Airbnb.org. Joe Gebbia is co founder and chairman of Airbnb.org. And Joe, this is something that you have been doing for about a decade now. Explain how all of this got started.
4: Well, Airbnb.org started, you could say unofficially back in 2012 when Hurricane Sandy hit New York City Mm -hmm. and the Eastern seaboard and displaced a lot of people. The next day, we get an email from one of our hosts who says, Dear Airbnb, how do I offer my five guest rooms, my Brooklyn loft for free to those displaced by the what? hurricane? Wow. At the time we had no way to actually facilitate that. We matched people for vacations. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we asked the question, why not?
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, of course, time being of the essence, then you had to figure out a way to configure your platform to do that. So I would guess it becomes kind of a mad scramble among the programmers. How long did it ultimately take to come together?
4: It was about, I think, a 48-hour engineering marathon, Red <laughs> Bull and pizzas. We reconfigured the site to allow that. So we emailed back the hosts and every other host in New York. And within, I'd say, about a day or so, we had hundreds of rooms available wow. to those displaced by the hurricane. And wow. it really woke us up, and saw, and we got to see firsthand The power of a community, the power of our hosts and our homes in New York. And of course, we knew that that was not the last hurricane or natural disaster to strike.
0: Yeah. Uh, So uh, this has since become something that you just do wherever there are those types of disasters. But this. Uh, this here now that that we're seeing uh, in Ukraine and across uh, that part of Europe, this is something totally different uh, than a, a natural disaster, and it's a very obviously a very unique set of circumstances.
4: This situation is is so big. I mean, I think over the past past week, so many lives have been disrupted. Um, With these scenes uh, unfolding of of the violence happening there. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
4: think this will likely produce one of the largest humanitarian crises since likely since World War Two. Right. Um,
0: You know, and I think like at this moment. It
4: really is up to the business community to step up and and play a part to help. And so that's why we've made this commitment to help house up to 100,000 people fleeing uh, Ukraine.
0: Wow. Uh, And that is a huge goal. So how do you make that happen?
4: We have sent letters to leaders across Europe, starting with leaders of Poland, Germany, uh, Hungary and Romania uh, to let them know that we're there to support them uh, yeah. with our infrastructure on housing mm-hmm. uh, to uh, help provide short term housing to any refugees coming into their country. So uh, anybody who has a home in, in the surrounding countries, you know, we're doing everything we can to use our infrastructure to help. Um, but we need more hosts.
0: Exactly, because obviously uh, Airbnb can only offer up uh, as many uh, housing options for those refugees as they have hosts who are willing to step up and uh, make those spaces available. And uh, there is an entire section of the Airbnb website we have linked up at goodmornings.net for more information. And obviously it is uh, concentrated Uh, most in in Central Europe and that part of the world, because that's where most of those refugees uh, are going, at least for now. But with literally hundreds of thousands of refugees fleeing Ukraine, they can't all go to Poland. And uh, I was reading something the other day. They're expected to fan out really all across the globe. Some may even end up in this country. And go to our webpage learn more uh, about that uh, really cool program from Airbnb stepping up uh, to uh, connect war refugees with hosts offering a place to stay. It's An extension of that same program that provides temporary housing during natural disasters. Goodmornings.net to learn more. Remember about a week and a half ago, we introduced you to a new magazine, a quarterly literary review called The Continental, which aims to introduce exceptional Central European literature to American audiences. Well, in addition to the English language writings of some of the best authors in Central Europe... It also features the writings of world-famous American writers, such as our next guest. Lance Henson is a poet and author who came from very humble beginnings in Oklahoma, where his grandparents raised him in the traditions of the Cheyenne tribe, who has spent his lifetime traveling all over the globe. And Lance, your article in uh, this uh, new magazine, In the Continental, uh, speaks about, you have a piece uh, talking about a Hungarian cult playing Indians, which uh, sounds incredibly intriguing. What is this all about?
5: Well, let's see. Where do I begin? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was sitting in Bologna uh, minding my own business when I did a call from Hungary to fly there to, to Budapest to fly there to do this article. So I did a little research, and then when I arrived, I had research put in my lap and I began to uh, put together this article. I met people from this movement and realized that uh, I could respect what I didn't, what I didn't think I, I could. The movement itself, which was begun as an escape from the Nazi era, it was an intellectual, ethical escapism uh attempted by people who look to native americans especially the plains indians for uh a way to live a life uh without the pressures of racism so uh so nazism so i began the article and uh, met people there who were very good-hearted people who basically told me right off that they know they're not Native Americans, but they had deep respect for us. So, and so, um,
0: yes. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious how it is that a group of individuals in Hungary, of all places, latched on to the customs, the culture of Native Americans. How did that come together?
5: Well, there are a lot of groups in Europe who, who play Indian and some of them really believe they are, especially in Germany. But Hungary, uh, this group in Hungary, uh, I think, was desperate to find some identity that they could attach themselves to that was positive and directed toward nature and the natural world and resistance. So uh, I, I know that uh, I've traveled the world, and... Uh, in new guinea and and malaysia that they all look to native america and native americans as people who have resisted uh so many uh onslaughts by the american government so i think it was uh that kind of reasoning that 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 caused them to adopt uh, playing Indian,
0: so so there is some sort of relatability there to the idea of uh, a group of individuals that have faced uh, persecution for being for just being who they are.
5: Yes, and a sense of a great sense of freedom that, that's attached to what we what people perceive the Plains Indians' life was. Yeah, and of course. Uh, that has changed a lot in my own world as a Native American. Well, that's
0: that was the other thing that I was going to ask. How accurate is that perception of what they believe uh, the the Native American experience to be versus what it actually is?
5: Well, from the outside, if you visit Native America, you probably won't have privy or be invited into the ceremonial and traditional lives that we do live, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's, it's all attached to language, everything's attached to language, especially culture and the the mythology of uh, of language and Native Americans in my tribe uh, the Cheyenne people have been able to maintain our rituals and ceremonies without changing them all that much, and it has a relevance in in dealing with the natural world and the plants and animals that surround us that have shared their their knowledge with us through ceremony and ritual so these things these things are real and they also they for me are more real than than the American world that surrounds
0: the Cheyenne people. Yeah. I wonder if at the end of the day, the attraction to Native American culture for those as far-reaching as uh, Hungary, as you're talking about in this piece, is much the same as the attraction that uh, many uh, Americans, uh, European Americans, uh, feel and that respect toward uh, the Native American culture that we have here in this country. I think there is a growing appreciation uh, for that culture even here at home. And is it is it much the same uh, around the world and other cultures as well?
5: Yes. In fact, I did a United States information tour in the 90s specifically to meet indigenous groups uh, in New Guinea, in, in Thailand, uh, in Malaysia, and, and There was this respect for the Native American experience, and it has to do with resistance. And, you know, uh, know, Standing Rock a few years ago was a a real calling card to our resistance. So, Mm -hmm. yes, the world looks to Native Americans for many, many reasons.
0: And talk about that aspect of it, uh, the respect for the resistance to that oppression. Certainly, right now, today, you don't have to look very far to find uh, a relevance with respect to world events currently. And when we're talking about this piece and the, the magazine, The Continental in general, there is, yes. it, there is. it seems, a need for this type of publication at this moment in history.
5: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I'm so pleased to be attached to this philosophy within this magazine. Uh, Central Europe right now, there's so much going on here, and uh, the future hinges on how human beings deal with one another, and this magazine... And his philosophy is right
0: on. You know, at first glance, that almost seems like an overstatement that the future of mankind uh, is, you know, hanging in the balance right now. But really, when you step back and look at it, that may very well uh, prove to be true. Uh, Lance Henson, again, a poet and author uh, from the United States. Currently, actually, this is kind of interesting. You live in Italy right now. What led you to settle down there? Well, at least for the moment. <laughs>
5: For the moment, I married a beautiful woman who's in the next room. Oh uh, but, well, no said, no said um, there. <laughs> but I came here uh, for to follow a book. I, you know, i was like uh, it, my book. It was like an animal. My book was full of poems uh, about my tribe, and it was published here. So I followed it over here, and then uh, I was published in Germany, and then I smuggled books across the Berlin Wall with, for, for journalists. And I got, mm. I got attached. And so all of these things are who I am, but I can be who I am wherever I am.
0: We will link up to the piece from the Continental uh, at our webpage so folks can uh, check that out. A really fascinating uh, narrative. Lance Henson with us this morning. Lance, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
5: Very welcome. You be safe. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Now, this is uh, the viral uh, online item of the day. I saw, I saw this, and uh, talk about uh, raising an eyebrow. A man on eBay is trying to sell what he calls a cursed painting. Uh, the man who wishes to remain anonymous... Uh, Says he purchased the painting from a local flea market, even though the woman selling it warned him against buying it. He now calls the choice to purchase the painting the ultimate bad decision. The painting itself features two children's dolls seated together against a green and blue background. One is a blonde baby doll in a pink dress. Uh, The other is a Raggedy Ann style toy with red hair. This is a bit creepy. Uh, he's listed the painting on eBay with a starting price of 50 bucks, but, but, uh, his description, I I don't know if it's going to attract too many buyers. He writes, beware cursed vintage painting warning, creepy, eerie art. (laughs) I'm not sure if, and that kind of, that was what raised my eyebrow. I'm like, I'm not sure if, uh, this guy's really a great salesman. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's trying to offload this painting. <laughs> Maybe you you play up the positive side of this and play down the whole cursed thing. He says, I don't know whose cursed blood was mixed in with the paint to create this piece, but its powers are strong. He goes on to say, after taking the painting home, he had an epic losing streak. He felt chills, developed insomnia discovered an insect infestation in his home. And in the description, he also writes, something has to change because the only difference in my life since everything grew so dark was buying that painting. I feel the only remedy to all of this is to rid myself of it. (laughs) So let's sell it to someone else on eBay. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, who's going to buy this? Who's going to... You just say, hey, I got to get me that. I got to put that in my home. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe go out and burn it instead. I don't, I don't know. Uh, anyway, we'll try and follow up and see if there's any sucker that uh, actually buys this thing. The <laughs> painting continues its reign of terror. Speaking of online, you know, people online notice just about anything out of the ordinary. Uh, one user recently shared a screenshot from Google Maps. That shows the bird's eye view. You know, if you go to Google Maps and and I've done it, we've all done it. Uh, gone to uh, Google Maps and looked up our own house on Google Maps and say, oh, there's my house uh, taken from like a satellite photo. Well, someone uh, shared a screenshot from Google Maps shows the bird's eye view of a, a man who mowed the name Joe into his front yard <laughs> in Virginia. <laughs> From the, and apparently he did the, he must have done this intentionally, knowing that uh, Google was going to take a satellite screenshot of this. So he, he mowed the name Joe into his front yard uh, in uh, Virginia. People commenting on the uh, on this uh, posted screenshot uh, quick to make uh, the same joke. Everybody's saying the same same joke. The the person next door needs to mow Mama into their grass into their so it says joe mama That's... anyway uh, some of the other uh, items from the broken news this morning a couple of uh, parents in utah got a bit of a shock earlier this week when they went to check on their baby deputies of the summit county sheriff's office office were uh, summoned to a home around 6 30 in the morning when they learned a porcupine got inside the house somehow the porcupine made its way into the home maybe through an open door or something, and then curled up underneath the baby crib in the child's room. A porcupine! Now, I don't know that porcupines are particularly uh, dangerous uh, in in that respect. Uh, I don't know that they're aggressive or anything like that, but you don't want to get on the wrong end of a porcupine, that's for sure. Uh, deputies removed the critter by sliding a wooden board underneath it and then putting a plastic container over the top and then carried the porcupine uh, back out into the woods behind the house. Hopefully they've seen the last of the porcupine. That'd that'd cause you a little bit of uh, alarm. You go into your kid's room, find a porcupine curled up under the crib. Uh, Very unusual criminal activity here. A man under arrest in San Diego after a carjacking on a freeway uh, what makes this unusual and noteworthy is the weapon used in the carjacking. It was a bow and arrow. California Highway Patrol says a male pedestrian had been pointing the bow and arrow at a vehicle on the right shoulder. Uh, they later learned that the uh, driver in an SUV had been attacked and carjacked by said pedestrian. The uh, driver was taken to the hospital for treatment of non-life-threatening injuries. Don't know whether it was actually due to the bow and arrow where they were shot with the with the arrow. The uh, suspect later detained and arrested by Border Patrol agents. So, there's a bow and arrow, an unusual weapon of choice for a carjacker. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this story from... A Brazilian Playboy model, the name of Susie Cortez, who claims she was kicked out of an Airbnb rental by a prejudiced host who suffers from hot girl phobia. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. Hot girl phobia. Ms. Cortez says she plunked down nearly a grand on an apartment on the rental site in January in order to visit family in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, According to uh, news reports here, however, she alleges that she was forced to leave the property after less than 48 hours by the male host who kicked her out and threw her belongings in the trash because she was too good looking. (laughs) She says she feels persecuted by the ordeal, which she compares to a horror movie. She's threatened to sue Airbnb, but has yet to file any paperwork. Uh, Airbnb spokesperson says our team is reviewing these allegations, including the guest's recent allegation of discrimination. We continue to support both parties to resolve the matter and we'll make uh, take appropriate action under our policies. (laughs) Hot girl phobia. Yeah, that's that's a tough thing. There Uh, there you go. That is (laughs) I get the feeling there's more to that story. (laughs) Uh, That is today's broken news report This update on the odd and unusual side of the news Brought to you as a public service, more or less Of Hancock County Veterans Services We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming Wake up and text Text and eat Mm -hmm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever
2: Hi Oh hey
4: Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time Uh Text and whatever But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit
0: StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
4: This message provided by WFIN.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Have you ever taken one of those home DNA tests? Uh, You you buy the kit and then you uh, take a swab, you send it off to the company and they uh, send you back a report on your uh, DNA. Uh, Lots of people have. And if you are considering it, um, there's nothing really wrong or dangerous about it. But just know that it could reveal information that perhaps you would rather not know. Researchers at the Baylor College of Medicine surveyed over 23,000 people who had used genetic testing services such as Ancestry DNA, and they found that 82% said that they had learned about the identity of at least one genetic relative that they were unaware of previously. 61% found out something new about themselves or their immediate family. And that included some potentially unsettling information. Very interesting. 61% found out something they did not know about themselves or their family. And uh, sometimes it's not necessarily good news. Like maybe they found out they were adopted or they were donor conceived. The study revealed 3%. 3% learned that a person they thought was their biological parent was not. And 5% discovered that they had previously unknown full or half-siblings that they didn't know about. Some of the respondents said that their new knowledge had a positive impact on their lives, but a small percentage said the findings had a harmful effect on their lives and their sense of self. As a result of the survey, the researchers suggest that going forward, these companies provide mental and social support resources to those individuals to help them cope with their experiences. It's a Friday and that means it is time for more recipes from Kyra's kitchen to wrap up the week. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio this morning. And a very good morning to you. You're all bright eyed and bushy tailed <laughs> here this morning.
2: I heard the I heard the uh, song and, and saw the Charlie Brown tree, and I'm making Charlie Brown. I do have I
3: still have
0: I still have my uh, Charlie Brown tree. You uh, have it up, up here in the, the studio uh, from Christmas. Yes, it is that's uh, the good. way we like uh, decorate our our yeah. studio for yes. Christmas. We have a uh, Charlie, Brown Charlie Brown tree. So
2: and we never take it down because it's Christmas all the time. It's Christmas
0: all the time. It's Christmas all the time. Uh, anyway, but we digress here. It is uh, time once again for another collection of uh, tasty and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. No particular theme necessarily no, here today. Really. Um Just some uh, really uh, interesting
2: one recipes re- here. One request and then the other Oh, okay. Sorry. What yes. was the uh, request? The uh, bread pudding. Oh, okay. Yes, All right. the bread pudding. Got a request so, for some bread pudding. They better pudding. be listening today because I swore I did this before. And <laughs> and uh, they were like, no, you didn't. And I was like, yes, I did. And they were like, no, you didn't. Okay, well, like, we're, fine, doing, it we're doing it today. We're doing it today. We're
0: doing it today. That in just a moment. But first, we'll start with a recipe for baked Pizza muffins. Yes. Okay. So
2: two cups of all-purpose baking mix like your Bisquick. Okay. Um, uh, Three-fourths cup milk, three-fourths cup sour cream, a quarter cup of butter melted, a quarter cup of marinara sauce, one egg one cup of shredded cheese sh- uh cheddar or mozzarella whichever one you like or I would both. say mozzarella because yep. you know a it's pizza. pizza right but but you you could do more you could cheddar, do both. yeah you could do both too and you've had cheddar on your pizza and oh. you've liked it oh yeah absolutely yeah. I yep. know uh, so, rocking you used to yes, do that all the time yep. so yep. so one cup of mini pepperonis and your extra marinara sauce for dipping so preheat your oven to 350 degrees combine your making mi- baking mix your egg your milk. Your sour cream, your butter, your marinara sauce, and combine that all together. Gently fold in your cheese and your mini pepperonis. Uh, Fill your greased or lined uh, muffin cups. Um, I like lined for that, and it's just easier for them to pop out. You don't have to finagle with a knife.
0: could you use like the, the cupcake? Uh, yeah,
2: that's what, liners. Oh, okay. Cupcake that's liners. What, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. all right, all right. Yep, cupcake liners. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, three-fourths full of your mixture, top with any additional uh, cheese. And if you have some mini pepperonis left, you can top those on top also. You um, can also
0: use any other toppings, oh, yeah. I suppose. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mushrooms or...
2: Yep. Peppers onions or peppers onions, whatever yep, yep banana peppers whatever you like on yep, your pizza whatever you like um, uh, bacon uh, any of that pineapple yes. if you are so inclined yes, i know i don't want
0: i don't like want to open up the pandora's oh, box geez. of uh, pineapple, like pineapple on pizza but uh there you go i
2: like it so <laughs> bake for 16 to 18 minutes or until a toothpick um Into the middle, comes out clean, uh, serve warm with marinara sauce for dipping.
0: There you go. Uh, To go along with the baked pizza muffins, you have a dill dip recipe. So
2: one cup mayo, one cup sour cream, one teaspoon dried parsley flakes, one teaspoon dried onion flakes. A quarter teaspoon of onion powder, a half a teaspoon of lemon pepper seasoning, one and a half tablespoons of dried dillweed, and one teaspoon of seasoning salt. So that's like your Lowry salt Right, right. So combine all your your ingredients together and chill for at least one hour before serving. Simple as that. Yep. Best results to chill overnight. Serve with your chips or your veggies. There you go. And that goes really good with pizza. <laughs> okay all right well, I can see that yes so uh and that I think we
0: I think you've done a, a dill dip uh, recipe before or yeah. something similar uh, so, to yeah. that so
2: yeah
0: uh there you go and then here it is what you have been waiting for the <laughs> mini bread pudding recipe yes so Bre- these, bread
2: this is user. also in a cupcake um, okay. pan right. so so two tablespoons of butter uh divided um uh, a quarter cup honey roasted pecans, a quarter cup of milk, or a half a cup of milk, a half a cup of heavy cream, a quarter cup of granulated sugar, a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, a half a teaspoon of vanilla extract, a quarter teaspoon of almond extract, uh, one large egg and one large egg yolk, uh, two and a half cups of white bread cubes uh from about three slices of bread.
0: Okay, just to clarify, you've got the large egg and then another, another egg yolk, egg yolk in addition yolk. to the... Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. Uh, then for your sauce, uh, your brown sugar whiskey, uh, caramel sauce, a quarter cup of dark brown sugar, three tablespoons of heavy, heavy cream, and a splash of whiskey. So mm-hmm. and if you don't want to do that, you don't okay. have to do the splash of whiskey. All just right. gives it a really good taste.
0: I would imagine so. so. Yes.
2: So preheat, the oven to 350 degrees and spray a uh, spray six of your uh, muffin pans with cooking spray, or do your liners again. Uh, I like the liners. Uh, melt two tablespoons of butter in a medium bowl. Whisk in your milk, your cream, your sugar, your cinnamon, your nutmeg, your vanilla, and your almond extract, all your spices. Uh, stir in the egg and the egg yolk, and add the bread to Cubes, uh, stir, let that sit for about five minutes or more. Okay. Uh, divide the bread cubes between the six muffin cups. Don't worry if there's some extra liquid. Liquid. After that, then you can pour that extra liquid on top of your... Okay. Um, on top of them before you bake them. All right. Bake the bread pudding for about twenty minutes. After twenty minutes, scatter the pecans on top. Return the bread pudding to the oven for about another seven to ten minutes. Let the p- pudding cool in the pan for about ten minutes before removing with a knife. Um, then, while the pudding cools, make your sauce with your brown sugar, your heavy cream, and your in a small in a small saucepan. Mm-hmm. Bring that to a boil. Cook for about two minutes. Remove from the heat. Um, Add your whiskey, drizzle the sauce over your bread pudding, and serve.
0: There you go. Yes. That does sound yummy. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, recipes for baked pizza muffins, the uh, dill dip, and the mini bread puddings by request. You can find those on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. Uh, It's at Kyra's Kitchen WFIM. If you want to follow Kyra's uh, Kitchen Facebook page uh, for uh, all of those recipes and other fun stuff, uh that we uh that we share you can also uh kind of try the recipes and yep. give us your feedback on yes. the uh, Facebook page also we've got them uh we've got them shared on the WFIN Facebook page uh, so you can find them there and linked up at goodmornings.net and as we say just like with the uh bread pudding if you've got a request Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a recipe you've been looking for or yep. uh, something you would like to share. We've had yes. uh, folks share recipes with us. You can maybe share your favorite recipe and who knows, yep. it might be featured on the program. Yep,
2: I have a co-worker can, that's supposed to be giving me a recipe this okay. week. So we'll right. see. <laughs> well, there we go. If she gives it to me, you it can also, will be on next.
0: And you can also post your favorite recipes on the uh, Kyra's oh, Kitchen yeah. Facebook page too. Yes. That's another way. Of, you can email them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, mornings at WFIN.com. Uh, you could also uh, share them on on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. You can post them there. And uh, again, kind of an interactive thing on Facebook. So uh, check that out and like the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page for more. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast today. Put a wrap on the week. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage Good mornings.net. Coming up Monday, on today's show, we talked about some of the politics that are driving Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We'll take a look at some of the cultural context that is also driving Vladimir Putin's war. And that yields some very fascinating insights. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.